0: Welcome to the Chris and Neil show. <laughs> Welcome everyone. I guess the market meditation show. Yeah. We're trying to learn more about the market and how to be peaceful and mindful. And Chris, this may be even more pertinent today with our two-part episode. Uh, um, first part here, we'll be asking Chris a little bit about the market. And the second part, um, will be actually talking to Steve Reed uh, one of the lead vaccine researchers in the world who's working on one of the four solutions in the Western Hemisphere to solve coronavirus. A lot of mindfulness is needed, Chris. Oh, good. You know, yeah. talk to me about some of the markets, some of the craziness. Um, talk to me about some of your observations. I'll tell you about some of my observations, and uh, we'll just share some of what we're thinking. And We'll try and get this episode out literally tomorrow, March 3rd.
1: Yeah. Well, I... I'll say even um, before the coronavirus he- fears hit full cycle, the the global economies were, of course, in a weakening position. Um, but like many times in the past, the market seemed to have its own uh, life. The animal spirits of uh, John Maynard Keynes <laughs> were alive and well. And, um, you know, last year... For the first time since 2013 uh, and, again, 2016, the global economy in the S&P 500 is one example. They're the, uh, the largest cohort of the top companies here in the U.S., experienced four consecutive quarters of declining earnings. So we had one full year of declining earnings, but last year the S&P 500 index grew majestically by 28.9%.
0: I just want to understand this. Mm -hmm. If you lose money for a year, do you expect to to have the value of your company go up? No, you shouldn't.
1: (laughs) You shouldn't. Every, every trainee and every fledgling economist and business school student has learned that a company is worth the future cash flows that it's going to deliver to you, the investor or owner. Um, discounted at a reasonable rate to a present value figure. So you're, in theory, (laughs) looking out at those future cash flow streams. And when they're declining, of course, that redounds back to a lower assessed value or appraised value. And that's uh, not what we saw reflected in the prices. I mean, we could see it, of course, in a microcosm or truly a macrocosm with Apple, Apple's earnings declined for four straight quarters, yet the stock last year, anyway, posted a wonderful 80% gain. So, in the finance business, of course, they have a beautiful um, and respectable cloak. They call it multiple expansion. People are willing to pay a higher multiple for that same dollar of earnings. Um, <laughs> but in, 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 in fact, when the earnings are actually in decline, it's hard to really project what those uh, future cash flows might be. It certainly seems that they're headed, the trajectory is toward the earth, not toward
0: the... Right, not not to the stratosphere. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> take so. take the, You must be getting calls from some of your clients, um, some of your friends. Uh, Think about coronavirus. You must have thought mm-hmm. a little bit about me, me living in Seattle or Bellevue more specifically, not far mm-hmm. from Kirkland. Tell, yeah. tell me what it is, what is you're your saying to people. Like, what should they be doing with their money? what What's going on? Well, we've watched the um,
1: the underlying fundamentals of the market deteriorating for some time. I mean, the Japanese economy, um, the GDP measure came in at negative 6.5% um, for q for the full year, year over year, um, with the Q4 numbers. That's a pretty sizable decline. Now, again, a lot of it's not Japan's fault, per se. It's a demographic issue. They're faced with some uh, inexorable and seemingly intractable uh, decline in the working age population. And when you have that aging population, of course, you don't have as many savers. You have dissavers, people spending their pension income, um, not saving for the future. Um, The the German economy, too, though, was flat. Although, of course, I always have to question government statistics because they're never offered with a margin of error. So we don't ever know the quality of the numbers. But GDP calculations are literally millions, if not billions, of calculations. So um, there's a big margin for error. Uh, We just don't know. So the GDP um, for Germany coming in at flat, um, certainly the trajectory there, too, is down. And maybe even negative.
0: All right, Chris, is this what you answer to your clients that call up and say, "I'm scared. What should I do?" Do you no, give them? I think Japan and Germany. <laughs> no, I think there's yeah. a lot of. Uh,
1: I think there's a lot of opportunity. You know, um, for example, the the entire energy space in the S and P 500 index is around 4.3 percent of the index. Apple alone, just one company, is um, a gargantuan 4.7 percent of that index. So the entire energy services space um, and uh, energy space in the S&P 500 index is smaller than Apple. Now, I know a lot of there are many reasons for this. People are thinking that hydrocarbons are, you know, going the way of the dinosaur from which they sprung. People think that uh, we um, are going to a fully electric or renewables future. We're moving toward that, but still, 81 Elon
0: wants to believe that tomorrow.
1: Yeah, he's, he's a pretty good promoter in that sense. But the, the truth is 81% of our electricity grid is fueled by hydrocarbons uh, still. Um, again, shrinking, but Co- coal. Yeah, Co- not, not coal so much, but uh, it's natural gas. Natural well, gas. Yeah, primarily. Um, some coal. Um, and coal uh, has declined from around 32% of the um, inputs to around 26 percent the the rest of that hydrocarbons natural gas oil's probably six percent of that um hydro electrics around seven hydro uh, wind is another seven solar's around three percent and the balance goes to nuclear so um it's quite a mix but still predominantly hydrocarbons and i think it is wise that we consider conserving as much of the hydrocarbons we have um as we can but still that's that's important and secondly you know the oil and gas isn't going to drill itself so you need these companies to do it (laughs) it's uh in that space so there are I, i guess i use this as an example everyone should of course do their own due diligence and invest in alignment with um their true feelings and their conscience the um but that space is an example of something that's very very cheap um right now in and, and really, just in the long pull um this episode of last week made some of these names even cheaper and more attractive, therefore, in terms of their long run investment potential um and in the pipeline space there, we have to move this stuff around from the refinery uh from the wellhead to the refinery from the refinery to the um, utility company to the power stations; those um, pipelines, which do all of that moving, um, and LNG to the export terminals, um, are like toll roads and provide a good income. So there are a lot of opportunities. Shipping is another. You know, um, before coronavirus, the uh, China trade war uh, pushed shipping companies down into the invest from the investment doghouse into the investment cellar and uh, when you're in the cell which one's worse <laughs> I, I think the seller but you know you're at the bottom well below the bottom of the staircase so you don't have really far to fall in a in a market event like this at least that's uh the theory <laughs> sometimes you can be shocked but
0: yeah so you know and i've been asking you predict the fall of the market for years mm. um and, and you predict it incorrectly and still made great money do you think That This has the potential. So This time I'm not actually um, asking you to predict it as much as just the potential. When you look at the world. You know how awful my timing is. It's worse than your timing. It's worse than. (laughs) than It's so funny for a public markets investor. This nuance I wouldn't have understood before this podcast with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have figured you had all these things down um, where there's no possible way for you to have them all down. It's just, I guess, a process Mm -hmm. Um, is what I've learned. So, do you think that there's a possibility or a probability, you can use either one of those words this time, um, that the market will crash due to global pandemic? Well, again... Um, Wait, no, there's only one of one word or the other word, probability or possibility?
1: I think a strong possibility. The market rallied today, Monday, um, yeah. the 2nd of March, because of the accommodative attitudes reiterated by the central banks. But they've been fueling Mr. Market with a lot of um, amphetamines all along. With a, right. <laughs> really, um, the, the central banks of the world have passed the baton to each other, but they've been extremely accommodative. I don't think that coronavirus cares what central banks do. So, um, and it is, as um, Steve Reed is sure to second, uh, very early in this pandemic. I mean, we're seeing these numbers multiply pretty rapidly. Um, and I think, too, there's an echo of the Spanish flu epidemic, which hit in 1918. and was a big dislocation, um, uh, long before we had modern um, methods of dealing with such pandemics. Um, and yet still, uh, that's a good case study. For anyone who's interested in market history Um, but the the supply chains were disrupted and of course this was coming right as the world was recovering uh and demand was recovering very strongly from world war one from the great war so um i think that there's an echo of that in the markets uh, that we saw last week um and i do expect this volatility to be with us in other words this is going to be quite a roller coaster ride but I would also say, Neil, that definitely underneath it all before coronavirus hit, I just like to reiterate and remind the economy
0: our... had a virus anyway? Yes. <laughs> you thought
1: the economy had a cold and <laughs> you you might actually have something more severe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you know, today I, I, I knew there was gonna be an issue in my business somewhere when I was asked three times today. That you, when do you think that valuations will fall in your business? Mm. I was like, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about it for the last few days uh, before I was asked, but you know, I kind of think we're going to see a small um, price, uh, a small discount in startup companies investing in at the seed stage in medical devices, um, more specifically for two or three months in about a month. Mm. I, I don't think it's very long term um because a lot of these companies are really medium term and you know won't really be that interrupted um but i do think we'll see a small uh, a small uh, drop in pricing
1: mm, mm-hmm.
0: which is interesting to even note right like cuz there's not many things that would affect kind of medical device development to some real degree
1: well i, I um i just think you know there's a tremendous interrelationship of capital in the capital markets right Right. yes we even saw last week when the pandemic fears started to hit the markets um those defensive positions those that uh, people seek safety in treasury bonds gold um some of the natural resources initially did very well treasury bonds held up through the week pretty much and uh until today a little bit but uh giving back a little bit of the gains but Gold um, sold off uh, the end of Thursday's session and then into Friday. Um, And we saw a little bit of this when Lehman was circling the drain, when Lehman Brothers was um, on its way down. uh, Virtually everything uh, had a correlation of one. Things were sold just to raise cash. um, And that put pressure on, on markets that seemed really distant from the center of the action, certainly distant from Lehman Brothers, you know. Again, um, defensive names, um, gold, precious metals, uh, even treasuries sold off initially as I guess firms were really desperate to raise cash. And I wonder if that'll affect, you know, of course, those ripples go out to the VC community, um, to the private equity community, uh, where, um, wherever the leverage hides or wherever people feel like they need to bulk up or raise cash or even to seek opportunities which look more attractive. Uh, because the opportunity set is really changing pretty rapidly.
0: Chris, is there any other advice that you have for any of your clients and someday investors and just, you know, other than, uh, um, you know, keep washing your hands? <laughs> Definitely keep washing your hands. Um, don't touch I, your face. The- <laughs> no, I'm saying, <laughs> no, I'm saying, is there any other advice about the market?
1: I think um, it's always a, an interesting wake-up call, when the markets experience uh, such a shift. And I think I would be mindful to look at the portfolio again with fresh eyes, and those positions you're not so certain of or um, don't really have as much um, insight into or confidence in, I would sell into the market strength like this. Positions that you feel are good for the long-term and it really depends on each individual investor I think you've just got to really look at the portfolio and see Through the layers of that portfolio um, What am I comfortable with and what might I not be comfortable with holding? um, for this uh, for the longer term because especially in equity investments that really is the most volatile portion of a portfolio and it is the one that's going to ebb and flow as um, Steve Reed even mentions uh, with the news in the news cycle, it's amazing. And we see it with Apple shares, for example, and Tesla. Talk about an individual stock maybe. <laughs> company that's,
0: right. I mean, boy, boy, are we picking this one wrong, right? I keep saying it's going to go down, it's going to fail. And uh, yeah, it, you're not disagreeing with me as much. You're talking about the assets maybe owned by somebody else. And boy, is Elon Musk just killing it here.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we've seen single stock manias before. Um, Enron went way, way up. It kited up right before the crash and was actually considered to be a safer bet than many of the dot coms. So money flew out of the dot coms initially and into Enron as one example. Um, Some others like uh, utilities that were getting into energy trading, Mirant, and some of the others. Um, But those were considered to be somewhat uh, safer um almost blue chip in a way and that led to an initial rise and uh Jim Chanos the famous short seller was really baffled by it because he had been on the heels of Enron for a long time there's a whole Tesla Q community of course on Twitter <laughs> and I have to give them some credit too because they're some super sleuthing but I think it's also a lesson in life Neil and I meditate on this very often um how rigid are and fixed are our opinions? You know, um, Elon Musk uh, definitely has a missionary following, and I always remember a famous quote from um, Harold Amundsen who was the founder of Home Savings in Southern California. He said, "Never underestimate the man who overestimates himself."
0: <laughs> um,
1: I should take that advice and not not go long Tesla or short Tesla. Just watch this thing happen as it does. They've they've done something pretty well though, which is um for a company that does one of the best companies at losing money
0: <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: They have you, a, a we all re- have to
0: be successful at something they can be yeah. successful in money <laughs> yeah
1: they have a. they have a, a you know they have a stock price that definitely defies gravity that's for sure so maybe he has discovered a way to mars
0: <laughs> through this chapter <laughs> We, we want to thank everybody for joining us today. Uh, on an episode on Friday, we're going to have Franklin Prendergast, former board member of Eli Lilly and Mayo Clinic, PhD MD, to follow up a little more and learn a little bit more about what he's thinking about the coronavirus as well. And, uh, of course, we'll share some market insights and um, anything we can on Venture Capital. Thanks for joining us today, everybody.
1: Thank you.